0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: All right, we're here with Packers owner Justice Mosqueda, the least valuable guest on the podcast, here to talk about how his unvaccinated quarterback is morally inferior to our unvaccinated quarterback. Uh, What's
2: going on, Justice? I'd like to not talk about that, frankly. I'm getting (laughs) tired of... My Tuesday is getting taken up by Aaron Rodgers talking to Pat McAfee about stuff that well,
1: okay, so, is so very
2: quickly uh, debunked. So McAfee is doing an
1: amazing job, right? Because he's he's requiring us to watch this every Tuesday. Yes, that's yes, it's high tier podcasting. That's incredible stuff. Uh, that's I why know he that, got
2: like thirty million dollars from like Fanduel or whatever, right? right?
1: Yeah, I know people are like, "Hey, why doesn't he push back?" and uh, and he's like, "Well, that's not really what the show is about." And, yeah, that's, like, a little morally bankrupt or whatever. But aside from that, I mean, he's just doing an incredible job.
2: He also does mention a lot. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm, I got the shots and stuff. And then he's right. just like, yeah, Aaron, do whatever well, you want. That's it it the, is that's, funny. Is like, not
1: the same as pushing back against the, like, misinformation about India.
2: Yeah, that's always bad. The India <laughs> stuff is the step too far for me and Raj. Yeah. It's like, you can yeah. be an idiot about your body. But when you're lying about, like, other foreign governments, that's when it's, like, Buddy, you can Google this.
1: <laughs>
2: well, the, the issue is that he definitely found this out online. That's the... <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, right, I'm, cool. I'm, I'm tired of it. If we uh, we could talk about football, that'd be great. Also, just yeah, getting okay. cross-posted to uh, APC by the way. I don't cool, know if cool, you know cool. that yet, but...
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, so Packers, with a win, get a 93% chance to secure the first-round buy. The Vikings, with the win, get a 50-50 chance of making the playoffs. So very uh, equal stakes at this game here. Um, Vikings beat the pants off the Packers uh, earlier this year. feels like it won't be the same. Uh, there should be a number of players coming back. Also, I mean, the Vikings have split the series with the Packers um, a ton, so I don't think that really matters all that much. Uh, but they're playing uh, in Lambo, which uh, I suddenly will not be able to go to. Uh, Tell me, justice is Lambo overrated or underrated?
2: I still haven't been. I tr- I try to get there like three times this year. And no,
1: that's right. Yeah, as an owner, you needed to get over to the owner exclusive gift shop.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I also learned there's an owner exclusive gift shop online where you can get things like frames so you, for your. Oh, own. you
1: don't even have to. You don't even have to go. Okay. Wow. Wow. They're exactly. really stepping things up for you, the owner.
2: Dude, look, the Packers are the team of the internet and the <laughs> world. Many are saying, but yeah. Um Lambeau Field should impact the game. You said beat the pants off of the Packers. That game was down to the wire, and no, Kirk Cousins yeah, was, tried to throw savage four interceptions. Settle was, down.
1: Was, uh, it wasn't close at all.
2: I, I did um, enjoy uh, the Packers fans telling Vikings fans for like two whole weeks, like "Congrats on winning your Super Bowl." It's like settle down. <laughs> it's a good. It's we, a good we've bit been, though.
1: We've been making it a bit on the on the podcast. We've talked about how the now there's a a. Traveling Super Bowl trophy that appeared out of thin air as a result of it. Uh, Who's a hold of it now? The Rams. uh, And the The Vikings had a chance to win it back against the Rams, but of course they lost. So the Rams still hold on to it. The real question here is if the Vikings win, does another Super Bowl trophy emerge for them? Because obviously it doesn't for the Packers, right? If the Packers win, there's no Super Bowl. It's not their Super Bowl. That's the joke. So if the Vikings. I I guess it's like a
2: boxing thing, right? Where it's like multiple title belts, but like they're going to merge right. themselves in the NFC championship game at the very least, right?
1: Uh, one would hope, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that the title belts meet. Um but yeah, I mean, uh I don't know, it's just like it feels like these games are always like too weird to to really predict. Do you think like obviously so from a better perspective, obviously there's something to the divisional games having a different um, relationship than, um, non-conference and non-divisional games. Do you think that that's particularly true with green Bay, Minnesota, or do you think that that's just normal divisional stuff?
2: Um, I think because Zimmer throws so much on the table as a defensive, like as a defensive play caller, I think there's probably a little bit more to that, you know, when you're seeing common opponents and I mean, really Aaron Rodgers is the only guy in the division who's kind of putting stress on Zimmer in this way. Like Mm -hmm. I'm sure he's having to change things at a different level than most defensive coordinators do when they face quarterbacks in the division, especially in this singular matchup. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. That makes sense. I I imagine that Zimmer spends a lot of time in the offseason focused just on Rodgers. Well, let's talk about the individual players first. Aaron Rodgers, how has uh, he played since the Vikings game?
2: Uh, I don't know if you saw, but he just won uh, December's NFC Offensive Player of the Month. So... Many people are saying that that's good, Arif. Yeah, you, um, you
1: you know exactly how much I've been paying attention to the news this week. So I, I, di- I did not actually see that. No, I've no.
2: Yeah, opinion. I I might have broken the news to Arif before this that okay, well, this was part's fake. In this news. game,
1: justice is <laughs> for this part right here. Um. Okay, so NFC offensive player of the month deserved, undeserved.
2: Probably deserved. Um, he's done very well. Uh, he basically is like, I'm not throwing it, interceptions I, anymore. Has he,
1: well, that's, we know that that's not important as Vikings. uh, Oh yeah. Interceptions don't
2: matter. Yeah. Turnovers are overrated. Many people are saying, no, I I don't buy, no, I'm not buying into that. (laughs) Interceptions, avoiding interceptions is important. I don't care.
1: Cousins entered uh, last week throwing, having thrown like two
2: interceptions all year did not matter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a, it's a, a factor. It's a okay. fat. it's not the factor, I'm not saying okay. Teddy so, Bridgewater so has, is Roger, has Roger's quarterback.
1: practiced at all since coming back from COVID protocol
2: a few times. Yeah, it's usually like the last day of the week. Um, he hasn't practiced this week. He might practice tomorrow, which would be Friday, which is like kind of the walkthrough. Um, Roger said after the game last week that his toe had been feeling better um, than any previous week before. The, yeah.
1: the COVID toe rashes is, is the, there's
2: no COVID toe. It is a <laughs> fractured pinky toe. Um, it did get banged <laughs> twice uh, in that Browns. Game. Right, it was stepped on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One time by right guard Royce Newman, who has been an issue. And the, the best way to explain how much of an issue Royce has been is that he is your right guard and he stepped on your quarterback's left pinky toe. Uh, I want you to think about the math <laughs> okay, okay. and the angles there. <laughs> a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And then the other time was by a defensive player.
2: Uh, it was uh, Miles Garrett banged it a little bit. And then they hit like commercial break and they were like high fiving each other. And I, I drew a green face mask on Miles Garrett. Free the man.
1: Uh, well, so Miles Garrett coming to Green Bay, Rodgers leaving Green Bay. Um, no. That, fe-
2: that feels like a downgrade. I mean, I love Rodgers talked about, uh, again, <laughs> I know you're not tuned into the NFL right now. You're busy with other things in life. But Aaron Rodgers yesterday was talking about retirement, and he basically said, I'm not thinking about other teams. I don't know if I'm coming back or not, but I'm not thinking about other teams. Kunst is doing everything well, I mean, that okay, I so want.
1: Famously honest person
2: Aaron Rodgers tells us that he's not thinking <laughs> about other teams. Look, that's fair. Um, <laughs> that's fair. I'm just saying, <laughs> the, the vibes are good for him coming back next season with the Green Bay what the is, Packers.
1: Uh, what does Jordan Love do? Does Jordan Love demand a trade?
2: Uh, does Jordan Love have autonomy? I don't think so. I don't. <laughs> I think okay. we're beyond the he, point okay, of if, like if Jordan what Love happens walks Jordan
1: into Love. office and he's like, "Hey man, you better trade me or I'm just not showing up to camp." Goodukans is like, "Yeah,
2: fine, whatever, dude." Goodukans is like, "I'll talk to your agent, who's also Aaron Rodgers' agent," and. We'll see what he says. about.
1: Why, okay. Why, why do quarterbacks do this?
2: So a lot of teams do this. Actually, when I was uh, working with the XFL, we did a big old study about who represents who is quarterbacks because we were trying to figure out who we could poach off of like practice squads and stuff like that. Right. Um, teams are more, they are stacking these quarterbacks more than ever before. And I think it's a thing that agencies are honestly driving. Um, From what I have gathered, that is basically like insurance policies on the starting quarterback, where, you know, hey, maybe you want to move on from the starting quarterback, but I will still make that money.
1: Okay. It makes sense for the team. It makes sense for the agency. Does not make sense for the backup quarterback.
2: No. I mean, we saw how bad it went in New England with Garoppolo. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, man, the agent must be treating Jordan Love real well for him not to be shopping. That's crazy to me.
2: Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's it's wild to me. I I still like, I get it, but I don't get it. At the same time, it just seems like you're playing with fire a little bit.
1: Did uh did the guy who was ahead of Love on the depth chart last year Boyle? Did he play this week?
2: Uh, he played last weekend, right? Because how do because Golf was on the uh, COVID reserve list.
1: Did you see that game? Were you able to look at a former Packard great See how he did?
2: I I watched it a little bit on Red Zone, um, because it was it was like pushing uh cover territory but yeah Tim, <laughs> Tim Boyle light show or Tim Boyle laser show was uh not preseason levels I guess we should say so he didn't cover is what you're saying I can't remember honestly I forget so <laughs> Sunday was so long ago Arif I've been so busy you know not tuned into the NFL like you All Right, fair enough fair enough uh
1: running backs uh AJ Dillon still better than Aaron Jones
2: yeah that's that's still fair. I stand by that. Um, Aaron Jones is still kind of banged well, up every has, week with the injury. Has he played
1: but... better than Jones over the past month?
2: As a runner, yeah. As, I no, think so. As a
1: running back, not as a runner, as a running back.
2: Yes, as a running back. Okay. Yes, Aaron. If you if you watch the uh, AJ Dillon carries against Cleveland, like every single yard is two contact, every single one of them. He's a good running back. I if if they didn't have AJ Dillon, they would be a very, very, very different team.
1: So why did they re-sign Aaron Jones?
2: AJ Dillon didn't have his breakout until recently. And they also kind of do different things. Like Aaron Jones is the guy that you want on the edge. AJ Dillon is kind of like the power back. Is, is the know, amount of things the that they do differently worth a running back contract? Oh, probably not, frankly. But He's here now, and it's not like he's in year <laughs> one of a veteran deal. So like Aaron Jones isn't going anywhere for a couple years. So, the, you, you can't put milk back in the carton, you know.
1: I I get. I mean, that's a version of that saying. That's fine. Uh, no tight ends left on the run. Well, Josiah DeGuara, right? But the other two tight ends uh, have the Aaron Rodgers disease.
2: Uh, no. <laughs> Tanyan, Tanyan is on injured reserve. Right. Uh, Lewis and Davis are both on the uh, COVID reserve. Um, there's still a chance that they could return. DeGuara is uh, healthy, but Daphne has a banged up ankle and actually got passed on the depth chart in terms of like the snaps this last week by Tyler Davis, who hadn't been really getting offensive snaps consistently um, up until last week. So there is a chance that Bronson Cafousey um, do you remember him? The defensive end from BYU? Yeah. yeah he is converted to, to tight ends. Really? Yes, he is converted to tight end and he is like a blocking tight end and they've kept him on the practice squad and Rodgers in the preseason. Well, don't I don't know if you remember this moment where uh, Rob Domovsky, you know, he, he asked Rodgers about, uh, you know, Kafusi, and he was like, well, it's going to be nice to see him in Buffalo after Rodgers said some nice things about him and Rodgers said, Jesus, Bob, and that kind of <laughs> like went viral. <laughs> <laughs> and they made T-shirts out of it and stuff like that. That that was that moment. So oh, okay. okay, is okay. one of Rogers' yeah. guys, and he might end up getting called up for the first time this season as a tight end just because they only have, like, two. And, like, maybe it's one and a half, depending on how Daphne's ankle's holding up. So he's this year's Kumaro? He is. He is. He's not related to Ibosa, though. <laughs>
1: Okay, so what does the Packers' uh, running game look like when when they're this kind of hard up for tight ends? Does it change at all?
2: So Daphne is a very good run blocker. Um, you can use him in line. They use him a ton uh, at you know near the goal line and stuff like that. He's kind of weird because he's kind of like that Mercedes Lewis type of like run blocker, but he's in a smaller body. He's kind of like mini uh, Mercedes Lewis. He's like Mercedes Lewis if you drop the anvil on his head. The um, Guara is more of like a move tight end <laughs> that they use on like counter and, uh, you know, slice and stuff like that. He's more of an off ball type of guy that they also use on like third downs, you know, split out uh, when when they need a pass. So they definitely have a mix. Um, I would be shocked if they didn't go into the game with the third tight end, the way that they rotate these guys and the way that Daphne's angle situation is so. We're recording this on a Thursday. You know they could bring up guys up until game time. Apparently now with the new rules, so look for someone to move up. And if no one moves up, just assume Kafusi is going to get moved up on Saturday.
1: All right, well that's good to know. Um, that I think brings us to the that offensive line discussion. So you are super not happy with Royce Newman. I think the last time we talked, you mentioned that maybe one of the best examples of, um. Or one of the best approaches to to attacking Aaron Rodgers and the protection is to run games on Newman, which uh, for listeners you know means like defensive line stunts and things like that, switching gaps and so on. Um, lost kind of in terms of uh, in in terms of his assignment, uh, runs into people. You mentioned the toe thing. Uh, <laughs> is are there other issues along the offensive line, given like kind of how banged up it is, as Yasuo Nyman? kind of lived up to to what they need him to be. Is John Runyon been playing well at left guard? What's going on?
2: Yeah, uh, all those guys are pretty, playing pretty solid, I think, other than Newman. And even Newman's issues are really just handling stunts. Like The fact that they have Nyman and Dennis Kelly in at tackle and they're able to survive with it, I think, is a, a good sign. The fact that Braden is now on the reserve COVID list is a little bit worrying because they have to then drop down to Cole Van Lennon, who, like, The offensive line coach was talking about this week and was like, oh, yeah, he's definitely not a left tackle. And it's like, if if Nyman (laughs) gets hurt, like he's going to have to play left tackle or you're going to have to kick John Runyon, who's playing guard all season out to left tackle. So. Um, they're very thin now, but the guys that they have in, they can rock with them. Um, the big issue is just Newman once a game, twice a game, like he's just gonna like turn a guy loose on a stunt. They had it against Cleveland last week. Uh, Rodgers really only took like one big shot, I would say, and it was off of, you know, Newman just turning a guy loose and him getting a clean clock on Rogers. So you're gonna get one, maybe two, but uh, that's that's pretty much what you're gonna get out of this pass protection unit.
1: What, uh, what does Rogers do to kind of, I mean, cause obviously everyone knows like he holds on to the ball. He invites pressure in order to make a big play. It obviously works out from a lot. Um, what does Rodgers do from a protection standpoint that kind of mitigates this? And also do the Packers have like some of the best offensive line coaching. And like, if we're down to Yasua Nyman, who was not even originally on this team playing well, like wh- what's the deal? Cause they lost camp a few seasons ago. So what's going on?
2: Yeah. So, Camp and left. Um, the guy now who replaced him is Steno. Um, Steno is also the the Packers' offensive room is actually very interesting. They're very collaborative. Um, seems like everyone gets to like have their section of the field. Like the, Rogers was talking about how they break down everything this week. Where like Stenovic is like handling the run game. You know, the running backs coach and tight ends coach handle like goal line stuff. Their quarterbacks coach handles like third down their wide receiver coach handles like two minute drill. Stenovich is actually the guy who like brings in like a lot of the tricky dicky stuff like the the goal line stuff that, uh, you know, you you rarely see outside of like Kansas City and stuff like that um, he brings in. So I, I think Stenovich is probably going to get a tap on the shoulder to become an offensive or an uh, offensive coordinator very soon. Um, just between his yeah, background as a guy who dries up he draws up plays and he's a great offensive line coach. And there are very few things that are more valuable than those two traits. Um, so yeah, I mean, LaFleur's built like a very collaborative room, I think, on the offensive side of the ball. Um a great coach. I think they're very good at evaluating talent, like the fact that they were able to Dennis Kelly started an entire season for the Tennessee Titans last year, and they just like signed the dude in like August or something, I think. Um, It might have been July, Um, but he was just like out there. They're like, we should probably grab this guy because we might need him at some point. And, you know, they took a shot on him instead of, you know, bringing in another undrafted free agent rookie to kind of like develop potentially on like the practice squad. So shouts to the team for doing that. What I would say about Rodgers is they've kind of changed what this offense has been, Um, especially with with MVS out. They haven't really been taking shot plays. And when they do take shot plays downfield, they're like design shot play. So it's like going to be an incompletion. Um, It's not going to be a sack. Like they'll take a seven step drop from the gun and it's just like borderline Hail Mary type of play. Um, And that's kind of like what their deep game is. Like it's not a lot of like Rogers taking a three step drop, patting the ball, patting the ball, patting the ball, patting the ball, hoping someone is open downfield. Like when they're going deep, they're going deep. And when he needs to get the ball out of his hand, he gets the ball out of his hands right now.
1: Given how few seven-step drops exist in NFL offenses these days, and given how kind of rarely defenses play that, uh, does it? Do you think that that has its own benefit, like maybe throwing off timing for defensive bats and things like that?
2: Absolutely, and pass rushers too, man. Like you got to think about how deep that quarterback is getting back there. There's not often that you know you end up running ten yards into the backfield, and like that's the spot that you're actually trying to sack a guy. You know what I mean? So there's not very many quarterbacks who play like Aaron Rodgers, obviously. I mean, everyone talks about him like a, a gunslinger type of guy. If you don't have that guy in practice, I would assume it's very hard to replicate and get reps for.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know. This is kind of interesting that I mean, because you 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 think about like, hey, you know, when they hired Matt LaFleur, I think a lot of people. Just like, well, they just hired a guy who had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay, which I don't know, may or may not be true, but obviously it seems to be running a good operation. Um, this kind of stuff, when you think about like installing the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan offense, this isn't like part of that. This isn't something that we traditionally think is a big part of that. How big an influence is Nathaniel Hackett, who I don't think was a very sought after offensive mind after Buffalo, uh, what kind of influence does he have on that kind of play design? And like, what element of McVay Shanahan principles does LaFort even bring to the offense?
2: So the under center stuff, I would say is a lot of, LaFleur's influence between, you know, McVay and his time with Shanahan in Washington and stuff like that. Um, Nathaniel Hackett did not just coach at Buffalo. He was a Marone guy who was there for, uh, Syracuse so and Syracuse, Jacksonville yeah. too. Yeah. So he was in Jacksonville. He actually Mike just Nassin? got tapped on the shoulder. Jesus
1: Christ. That quarterback thing was so funny.
2: Yeah. But, he got tapped on the shoulder for the Jacksonville head coaching, uh, opening. Uh, again, I don't know how much you're following the NFL these days, but, um, He's interviewing for the head coaching job in Jacksonville. He talked about how he still has a couple of their hats uh, in the presser today. Um, I don't know how much. So Hackett, I think, is a lot more of like the spread passing stuff, I would say, is more of his influence. But the other guys who are interesting to me are like uh, Getse. So Getze's the quarterback's coach. He was he's basically a disciple of uh, Joe Moorhead. Um, so I think a lot of the RPO stuff is coming from Hackett and, uh, Getzy, frankly.
1: Oh, all right. That's fair. I, how, okay. So we talked a little bit about RPOs in our last episode of the podcast. Um, and it, it feels like the, the mysticism of RPOs has been kind of stripped away. And then we finally get to kind of talk about kind of the bare bones of how in offense that features a lot of RPOs. Operates. Um, I forget who asked on Twitter. You know, is an an a run play or pass play, and then you know, I think a lot of people just responded, "It's a run play."
2: Most people chart it as runs. If yeah. if you're if from a charting perspective, you chart it as the run game because if you ha- if you have to have the same constraints, you you want it in your run packages for whatever mm-hmm. that's worth.
1: Yeah, and you're coaching offensive line in that particular way. You don't. You're not asking your nickel corner to do anything different, right? Like if it's if it's a run play, you're asking him to do the same thing as if it's an RPO.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of teams are trying to keep that guy out of the fit to kind of like muddy the look for those teams. The yeah. big thing about Green Bay is their RPOs aren't really like downfield RPOs like uh, Miami's RPOs, for example, are very different than Green Bay's where Green Bay's. Like you're trying to run bubbles, right? Basically. Like you're trying to run bubbles to Devonta Adams because he's so good with a ball in his hand and your wide receivers are so big and blocking on the perimeter is such an advantage for you guys um compared to the defensive backs on the field. Whereas, you know, Miami, it's a lot of like we're throwing a slant and the slant is open, and Tua can only throw kind of like ten yards away from him. So that's what have, we're have
1: running. you seen like the crazy response that Tua Non gives whenever you bring up Miami and RPOs.
2: I can only imagine.
1: I don't don't know why they're so upset about this simple observation anyway. Um, so, so the RPOs in the Packers offense, um, one thing that I kind of found interesting is that RPOs typically are as runs about as effective, if maybe a little bit less effective, uh, as standard running plays and against passes are about as effective or a little bit less effective than standard passing plays. But obviously if you're replacing bad runs with bad passes, you're improving the offense. Um, Is that kind of is that element still there for Green Bay or or how are the RPO runs looking? How are the RPO passes looking when compared to standard dropbacks and standard runs?
2: They're pretty solid. And I think a lot of it has to do with like unique traits that the team has. And I think it's pretty clear that like they're running RPOs for Devontae Adams, too. You know, It's, it's their way of kind of making you honor Devontae Adams in a lot of different ways. Um, The fact that Aaron Rodgers has such a fast trigger in terms of just his release um, is definitely a benefit to them. Like when they were when Jordan Love was in the game, they weren't doing a lot of the same things that they asked Aaron Rodgers to do. And I don't know if a lot of it sounds weird to say like Aaron Rodgers is has a unique trait that helps him on RPOs because you think, you know, there's so many other things that he could help you with in terms of like downfield accuracy or arm strength, stuff like that, that it kind of gets overlooked a little bit, but there certainly is something to say about this offense being like tailored for Aaron Rodgers specifically.
1: How does that, uh, how does that come about? Like, how do you, uh, as like an offense, you bring in Nathaniel Hackett, you've got Matt LaFleur. You remember the slant flant offense with McCarthy. You bring in Aaron Rodgers. Is, is Rodgers an enormous part of the collaborative process? Because it feels like every time that gets brought up, it gets, not shot down, but kind of made fun of as a talking point that Rodgers is an important part of designing the offense. How does it, how does an offense come about that's designed for what Aaron Rodgers does well versus the stuff that's either a waste of his talents or stuff that he doesn't do well?
2: Well, I think that first year was a really good example of it. I mean, there were so many times where Aaron Rodgers year one, I think what well, was 2019, even on those RPOs, he was dirting a couple of them. Where they were like, ah, yes, maybe the sp- maybe the split was too far outside. You know what I mean and stuff like that. It seemed like really 2019 was like almost like an evaluation year of like, what do we want this to look like moving forward? And then from 2020 on, it's been like, all right, this is who we are. This is what we're good at. Like, let's just spam these plays. Basically,
1: is that more responsible for the Rogers MVP season than drafting Jordan Love or the other way around?
2: I think so. I mean. I think Rodgers, dude, Rogers is so hyper motivated and holds so many grudges that I, d- I don't know how much this love thing really influences him, like in terms of like preparation and like on field results. Frankly, I think that's more of like a where do I want to be for the rest of my life? But it seems like he's able to turn that off where he's, you know, he's an impressor this week saying, oh, yeah, I'm not even thinking about next year. It's like you're not thinking about next year at all. I'm thinking about 2022 a whole lot right now. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this
1: receiver group. So obviously you got Devonta Adams, uh, MVS is is back, back. Just right?
2: returned, just yeah. returned today.
1: And Randall Cobb might be back after he's a he's practicing. Surgery?
2: Yeah, he is practicing. So that that was very surprising. I don't think anyone expected that. Everyone who was there for you know the media open portion of practice was kind of surprised. Randall Cobb was out there running routes um,
1: after so a practice yeah, like a month ago.
2: Yes. Yeah. Week 13, I think, when weaning got placed on injured reserve, and then he had core surgery. So That's fast crazy. turnaround. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: All right. So you went from a receiving core that was just Devonta Adams to one that has Devonta Adams, potentially Randall Cobb, MVS, and Alan Lazard. And uh, what well, I think Amari Rodgers might still be on the COVID list, but he doesn't matter anymore anyway, so it doesn't, doesn't compute.
2: Yeah. the the thing The thing with Amari was – they got so thin at return man on both sides that he was the punt returner and kick returner. So now it's just like a big old question mark in the return game. Um, Malik Taylor was also a kick returner. He was their punt gunner. He's kind of like special teams, ace type of guy. Even when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he got placed on the injured reserve uh, last week. So now with Amari and Taylor out, things become a little bit more of a question mark. Juwan Taylor got moved up, but he's not really a special teams guy. He's like a positional, wide receiver and they kind of needed him for depth with when Cobb was out and MVS was out and Taylor was out and they didn't use Rodgers at all last week. Um, even when he was healthy and they only had five receivers active for the game. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, they just signed more um, uh, from the Seahawks uh, David Moore uh, to, to the roster. They worked out the CFL like return man of the year um, yep. this week. So, yeah, I mean, there's certainly question marks uh, in the return game and, I don't really have answers. If, if gun to my head, I would expect like Patrick Taylor probably to be a kick returner, even though he hasn't done that recently. And then for punt returns, it's probably going to be Chandon Sullivan, their slot corner. Who's probably just going to like fair catch stuff. Um, That's what I'm expecting, but we haven't gotten clear answers there.
1: Fair enough. Um, What does MV, like how does the offense look different when MVS is there versus when it's not
2: vertical stretch, baby. I mean, it's it's like the whole Ted Ginn thing, right? Where it's like, hey, man, the guy might not be, you know, this all star wide receiver, but if you have a guy with that much speed, like it opens up so much more for guys underneath. Um, certainly makes a difference in my opinion, in terms of the shot plays. Um, being able to get Alan Lazard clearly on like one on one coverage pre snap, and then being able to throw to him over the middle, that has benefits. Um, if Randall Cobb is back. You know, their big thing was like getting Cobb into trips and then Cobb just eats things underneath. Um, That's certainly a benefit with the tight ends that they have running off route or running off defensive backs. So those tight ends don't have to go deep would be a huge, uh, you know, boom for their passing offense. So MVS coming back is a huge deal and should not be understated, I think.
1: Is Alan Lazard an elite blocking receiver or a mid-tier blocking tight end?
2: um so it's funny because so he is an elite blocking receiver because he does play more wide receiver than anything else but they also motion him down into the formation pretty much more than any any wide receiver does in the league so he's a certainly a constraint like if you go out there in 11 and they have alan lazard and they're like well you know we can basically run two tight end sets with alan lazard out there and your nickel corner is gonna have to play sam linebacker so they certainly play a lot of games with him he's probably as close to like a tight end wide receiver hybrid as you actually get in the NFL from like the actual wide receiver position.
1: Right. Because it's usually from the other direction and you're really arguing with, uh, with the arbitration committee of your franchise tag. Right. Right. All right. Uh, defensive side of the ball. Um, again, have not been paying attention to the NFL this week. Who's healthy.
2: Uh, no outside linebackers. That That's the big issue. Um, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, and Jonathan Garvin are really their only healthy outside linebackers. Darius Smith, obviously, IR'd. Wendy Merciless, IR. Chauncey Rivers, IR. Randy Ramsey, IR. Uh, Tipa Galea, who has moved up into the active roster off of the practice squad, is on the COVID reserve. And then Ladarius Hamilton, who has moved off of the 53-man roster to the practice squad, is on COVID reserve. So they are very thin. Um, Aaron Adoye, I believe is how you say his name, was picked up. From, uh, onto the practice squad this week. Um he has a basketball background and yeah, they like, I've never heard
1: of this guy in my life. And you yes, know, I do I do the draft. Like this is who okay, so 2019 Baltimore free agent. That's what he, he was an undrafted free agent out of southeast Missouri, Missouri State.
2: Yes, and I believe he played basketball at like three different colleges, too. Uh I'm incorrect. Correct. He has actually played he played basketball at Ball State. John A. Logan College, Western Kentucky, and Southeast Missouri State. So he played basketball at four different colleges. Did he start
1: at Ball State?
2: I do not know. I, I, I'm not a big uh, college Come basketball on, Joe. guy. You're, you're the you're the Packers expert. I need to know these. Guys. I know. I'm not grinding that though. I'm not grinding college basketball tape. I will say he <laughs> he, he 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 played one year of football at Southeast Missouri State. He went into the uh, Champions Indoor Football League and then played in oh, your wow. AAF. Uh, your your alliance of american football he was i don't remember him you know me
1: i'm the aaf junkie i don't remember him at all my aaf i guess he wasn't good enough to play in the xfl he
2: he was already on the baltimore ravens at at that point
1: oh okay wow look at him wow too good for the xfl that's it that makes sense he's on a roster now so that follows
2: yeah he's 28 years old he's played in one nfl game um don't see that background often he was signed off at the street recently you know they had worked him out before um, They had brought him onto the practice squad in October, but he only lasted for like two weeks. So hopefully he knows a little bit of the playbook because he might actually get game time this weekend.
1: What about um the Stanford backer, Colin Bailly? Isn't he on the roster?
2: Yeah, so he's kind of interesting because he's kind of like a hybrid guy. Um, He was obviously a pass rusher at Stanford. He basically played pass rusher his first year at Houston and then moved to inside linebacker. But truly, he's more of a special teams player than he has ever been a positional player. Um, But his last, basically since his rookie year, um, he's been playing inside linebacker. So it's kind of hard to tell, especially if you're not at practice. It's not like he, we have preseason film or anything to evaluate him from if he's going to be an outside linebacker prospect or inside linebacker prospect for this team.
1: All right, and uh, moving outside in, we've got the defensive tackle group. Kenny Clark obviously is playing well, not well enough for my IDP league, but he is a nose tackle. I should have expected that. Dean Lowry, I think, is playing well. Is Kingsley Kiki on the COVID list, or is our lad lying to me?
2: Yes. So he was placed on the the COVID list. He also was a healthy scratch on uh, Saturday He's against a healthy the Browns. Scratch? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was some like personal matter that the team okay. isn't necessarily talking about, which is kind of what I assumed it was going to be. Um, they just announced that, or I guess Lafleur just mentioned that today. He hadn't really been asked about uh, Kingsley Kiki's status up until today, um, but. The way it worked out, I was like, this guy isn't – he's not a healthy scratch. There's just no way. Like, that, something must have happened, you know, holidays, all that stuff. Like, maybe something in the family happened that really Mm -hmm. touched him. It seems like that was kind of the case. But, yeah, Tyler Lancaster's uh, behind him. He's been hurt. Um, This week, he hasn't practiced at all. And then it's like TJ Slayton, who is kind of – he's very raw um, in terms of a player. He has a ton of talent, but, like, conditioning's an issue – Um, consistency is an issue. And then Jack Heflin is the last guy on their 53 man roster right now. And he's played 17 snaps and, uh, he might be their, uh, D line number four out of a three D line front. (laughs) So not great. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're the line of scrimmage is really where they're banged
1: up. That, that, that starting group is, is playing really well right now though. Yes. And so it's just the depth. So when they, when they do rotations or when they get kind of, uh, that backup line group in there the Vikings might go hurry up and try to keep those guys on the field and so forth
2: I mean you don't even have to keep them on the field they keep them on the field for like 10 plays in a row and it's it's very tough because they're trying to keep these guys legs fresh but they don't have depth behind them so it ends up being this thing I've talked about it on the APC pod before and it's like a one hand washes the other type of situation where Mm -hmm. it's like are, are the guys tired because they can't get off the field or can they not get off the field because they're tired? And it's like, I don't think it matters. It's just the way that they play defense. They play so many stagnant um, coverages and they blitz so little from depth. Like they'll, they'll have five guys on the defensive lineman and send those or on the, uh, on the offensive line and they'll send those five, but it's not like they're sending uh, Devondre Campbell or Chris Barnes or Oren Burks on blitzes very often. And, when you're getting pretty predictable in terms of your games and stunts, like you can get four yard carries, you know, over and over and over again, like the Cleveland Brown showed. And then you're on the field for 15 plays and then your backups are in, you know, midway through the next drive um, because your guys are tired. It's like, that's a problem. And when you don't have depth, like maybe you should start sending more blitzes.
1: So uh, th- that inside linebacker group, that one also like Orton Burks is on the COVID-19 list. Yep. Um, and he was a guy that last time we had talked, I was like, I don't know that he knows how to play football. And you kind of push back that he kind of figured a lot of things out. Um, I don't know if he figured out enough things to kind of be part of the regular starting rotation or anything like that. But, you know, Chris Barnes, Devondra Campbell, um, they're playing better than I think we typically expect over the last decade of inside linebacker play from the Packers than we usually get. Right.
2: Yeah. The, the big thing is Barnes is just kind of a guy. Um, Burks has been worked Th- that's out of an the lineup improvement, again over the no, last I ag- decade. I is. agree. <laughs> I agree. Look, I'm, I'm not arguing that. It's just, you could still kind of go at Barnes. Um, Burks. Yeah. Him, him being on the reserve or the COVID reserve list is a big deal. I, I was hoping that he would get more involved. Um, he hasn't been, I think they're trying to keep him healthy for like special teams just because he plays so many reps and Ty Summers uh, who, you know, him and Burks were number one and number two in special teams reps uh, going into this last week. And then summers obviously got put on the injured reserve. So I I think it's a thing where they're like, you're going to be running so much on special teams. We don't really want to run like packages for you on defense, but you got to do something. And now, now their backup is Isaiah McDuffie. He's the third inside linebacker on the team right now, as it stands today, if Burks doesn't test back in and uh, is cleared to play for Sunday night football, Um, McDuffie hasn't played a single snap of defense this season. So, Red flags. Red flags on oh, this boy. defensive front across oh, the board. Boy.
1: All right, well, let's talk about the secondary. It seems like there's better news for uh, the Packers side of things. Kevin King comes back from COVID-19 reserve, which what uh, doesn't sound like amazing news, but uh, he's the dime guy because Rasul Douglas has asserted himself as uh, as an important player for the Packers, big turnover machine. Um, plus, Douglas is playing more than Stokes now, right?
2: I mean, they're both full-time now. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're um, they're they're both full time. They cut they split up reps, uh left and right cornerback. So that that's kind of how that ends up working. And Kevin King. So Kevin King had basically been completely phased out of the defensive packages up until the Baltimore game. And then the Baltimore game, because Mark Andrews is such a big body, um, they really started using Kevin King as their dime back, and they usually used Uh, Henry Black as their dime back. So when they go into six defensive back looks, the Packers ended up using three safeties and Henry Black was that third safety. Um, They made that switch against Baltimore. Kevin King ended up going out there. So they ended up using four corners with Chandon Sullivan as the other slot guy. Um, And then Kevin King, obviously right before the game against Cleveland was put into COVID protocol. So he didn't end up playing. So it'll be an interesting um, test to see like is that their kind of plan moving forward to use Kevin King as that dime guy, especially if, uh, Henry black, you know, who is on the COVID reserve now isn't able to play. So, so
1: so are we going to reasonably expect a significant amount of dime? I mean, the Vikings, obviously they already play pretty heavy. They don't do a lot of 11 personnel. They're doing it a little bit more this year, but for them, that's still among the lowest in the league. Um, and the, you know, Adam Thielen, who I think a lot of people expected to play this week, including me, um, ended up actually doing the opposite, going to injured reserve. Um, so it's Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne, and then maybe D.D. Westbrook and the track guy from Penn State, Dan Chisna, uh, or Chisena, I guess is, we, we've been told is how it's pronounced.
2: Um, the, the big thing with the Packers, if you're in if you're going to be in third and six plus, they'll play you in done that's kind of period. how they've been operating
1: so so and and that's why you brought up the Mark Andrews example because they'll play dime against packages that expect tight ends to be there in the passing game and they think that they'll win those matchups
2: yeah and it's a lot of one-on-one coverage frankly i mean that that's and and it's wait, 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 been you, an you issue you said this they
1: year. don't blitz from deep and then there's a lot of one-on-one
2: coverage is that or They're the dude, they'll play cover two. They'll, they'll oh, play two okay. man. They'll play two okay. man. Like they'll just lock it up and just play two man and then run some sort of four man game up front. Yeah, that that's what they do. Does that work? Uh it works sometimes, man. It, 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 it works sometimes. It works when uh teams throw to not Henry Black, usually is how that ends up working. Well, not, um, not Henry, an Henry issue Black's not been an issue this
1: week. When teams throw to now Kevin King instead of uh Henry in the Black. slot
2: without sideline help.
1: Without sideline help.
2: Yep. Because they'll use him inside. Right.
1: Okay. That makes sense. Uh, That sounds like a lot of fun. When you take a look at this matchup, when you see Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne, and you take a look at the dime defense that the Packers have, which I think individually has a lot of talent, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage. um, What I mean, how do you feel about third and six when
2: you see that? I worry about Justin Jefferson. Um Outside of that, third and six doesn't really worry me. What worries me is them just being able to hand off to Dalvin Cook and just wearing out the defense and then backup pass rushers are out there and you're like, oh man, it's first and ten, you know, in shot range for Kirk Cousins to throw a bomb to Justin Jefferson and Tipa Galea and you know Jonathan Garvin are out there at outside linebacker. That that's what really worries me about this.
1: It's actually this is a good question because one of the reasons the Packers were so effective at shutting down Kirk Cousins last year on the boots is that you ended up having a lot of agility from whoever was the end man of line of scrimmage on the weak side to attack the quarterback. They could turn around and spin and attack the quarterback without Darius Smith, without Preston Smith. um I, I guess there is Rashawn Gary, but he's injured this week.
2: No, he's, he's, oh, he's able back. to
1: play. He's back. Okay. Yep. So you've got Rashawn Gary is the athleticism there to be able to play both the run and the pass on a boot play action that the Vikings have been using a lot less used a little bit more against the Rams, but might have available to them this
2: week. Yeah, I think so because Gary, Gary's usually get the guy over the right tackle. Um, his big thing is he is great. As long as he doesn't have to keep contain for like a mobile quarterback in the pocket. Um, I don't expect Kirk cousins to break the pocket very often outside of like boots and often on boots, he, they just have him just like rush the quarterback, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would expect like those, I don't know what you want to call them, those slide play action stuff where it's like the tight end goes across the formation and if the yeah, pass rushers in the quarterback's face, they, they've he just been dumps doing it that off lot, to him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I expect a lot of those to be completed this week and hopefully the Packers can rally up and tackle uh, the tight end across the formation that way.
1: All right. Um, Before we talk about uh, your favorite topic, Packers special teams, um, we do have a question from a listener, Christopher Wiley. What is the dumbest thing Aaron Rodgers
2: will say in the offseason? So NASA just hired like 20 theologists, right? Oh, God. Oh, this is good. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So...
1: With with the with, for people who aren't paying attention, for the explicit purpose of trying to figure out how humanity might react to first contact, right?
2: Yes, yeah. yeah. They're bas- they basically, NASA gave a bunch of money to theologists uh, like in to- two thousand five or something like that, and now they're asking them and they're like, "Hey, we need some info about what happens if we tell people <laughs> the, the aliens." The, the are thing here. we paid you for. Have you have you worked on it? Turn yeah. in your U- paper. update ETA. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, look, if the aliens arrive. Aaron Rodgers might say something that would like ruin humanity, I would say. That Um,
1: rules. Uh, So, okay. Because the question that was asked also includes an example. The government is spreading COVID using contrails. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is explicitly a chemtrails guy.
2: That is what Seneca Wallace said, I believe. Um,
1: Okay. So Rodgers hasn't said anything publicly about chemtrails.
2: No, but he has talked about how he's seen UFOs before.
1: Can you get Nagler to ask Rodgers about chemtrails?
2: I d- I don't know if Nagler is going to do that for me frankly. Um I could ask uh I can't I can't promise a result though.
1: Okay. So okay, so so Rogers says he's seen a UFO and we've got this this business about NASA hiring theologians. Yes. D- do you think Rogers thinks that NASA checking in on the assignments they gave to the theologians? Is evidence kind of like, uh, you've probably actually never read Ender's Game, have you?
2: I actually did, in high school. Oh, okay. Word. They, they were all alive in a real thing. It wasn't a simulation. That's <laughs> yeah. Ender's Game.
1: Yeah, spoilers for Ender's Game. Um, not that that sentence actually gives you a lot to go on, but I'm going to spoil it more. Um, so, in, at the at the end of the book, they kind of speed up the process, and that gives a clue to some of the kids that this isn't necessarily a simulation that this is real. Um, Do you think NASA is doing the same thing, kind of pushing the, or do you think Rogers thinks NASA is doing the same thing, pushing the theologians to come up with an answer because we're going to need that answer sooner rather than later?
2: I don't know, because uh, on one hand, you can look at it like that. And then on the other hand, I could see Rogers' brain being like, see the government's lying to you again. Big alien is... uh, in big the pockets alien. of the politicians,
1: big alien. You got to watch over the alien industrial complex. <laughs> All right, so 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 you think that the dumbest thing Aaron Rodgers will say this off season might concern aliens?
2: Yes. Does I Rodgers believe, so.
1: believe in anthropogenic climate change?
2: I don't know what that first word means. But Man-made I think so.
1: global warming—that humans are causing global warming.
2: I think so, but it, I, I don't think it's come up.
1: Again, you got to push Nagler to ask
2: these questions. <laughs> They're about to go on a Super Bowl run. They could clinch the NFC this weekend if if they beat Minnesota and, and the Cowboys lose.
1: Right, and if the Super Bowl doesn't happen because of climate change, that sounds pretty
2: important. The, the, these are McAfee questions. You're going to the wrong source here.
1: That's true. Yeah, we should get McAfee to ask you.
2: Right? Yeah, you sure. got to you got to get him when his hair is down, not when he's you know on Zoom meetings in uh, in Green Bay.
1: Does Rogers use uh, a hyperbaric chamber?
2: No, I think he's too granola-y for that.
1: Yeah, but he, he's like recently he's given off a lot of crypto bro. But no, you're right. It's a wellness thing. That's like a big part of of what he, he, he is gonna. What's her name?
2: For what Tom Brady does for like health stuff, Rogers is gonna be the wellness guy post career. Like oh, that man. is that is the grift. So he I'm like.
1: He 100% does yoga. does he um, does he okay so have you seen that post of God I don't this might ruin the iTunes explicit rating of the person sunning their perineum?
2: Uh, his alleged girlfriend?
1: No 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 not his well she might I don't know but just in general, there's it went viral a couple of years ago of someone buck naked. Showcasing, you know, spread eagle, showcasing. In area where the sun typically doesn't shine, to the sun in order to uh, improve their energies.
2: He, his his
1: alleged girlfriend does that. Well, oh, really? Like, Shailene yeah. does that. Yes. Okay, so
2: so so then he. I had to look up perennium real quick to. Well, yeah, well, the, I'm the, trying to
1: that. get around the iTunes explicit <laughs> thing. Um, what so? So good chance that he does. Like, what's more important than energy? Look, man,
2: win in Rome,
1: right? Do, you, does that give him some immunity? Do you think?
2: Uh, I, to what? I mean, he got COVID. Like, generally, no, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's just like microdosing sun cancer, right? Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. But like,
1: it's it's like good though. Okay. All sure. right. All right. Special teams. Why are the Packers special teams so awful? And are they going to get worse because of all the things you just described about the returner, the lack of um, some of their special teams aces being available,
2: and et cetera? I think there's a chance they get worse. Um, We haven't even touched the big one. Corey Bohorquez is on the the COVID reserve list, and they don't have an extra player. So they said that they have a contingency plan, and then Lafleur said, I won't talk about it. Yeah, I guess. Um, Has Mason, Mason Crosby punted? So he punted one time in this past preseason. It was his first punt at the NFL level. He punted one time his senior year at Colorado in 2006. Um, JJ Molson, their backup uh, kicker on their practice squad, has not punted. They also used Bohorquez as the holder. And right. So today, that was my next question is the holder. Yes. Today, Maurice Drayton said that they're still having like open tryouts at Holder right open now. Open tryouts thir- at it a is Holder. Thursday. Yes. Yes. It could be bad. It could be very bad on special teams this weekend. I will not lie to you.
1: Well, okay. But alternatively, this increases the probability that they'll, like, desperation fakes, right?
2: Yeah, or just, like, straight up, like, going for it, I would think. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it, it's the, the bad. Guys, I mean, they based, they're they out all their returners. They started the year with Kylan Hill as their return man on kick returns. He's out. he's on then IR. Then they used Malik Taylor. He's out. He's on, he's IR. on IR. Then they used Amari Rodgers. He's out because he's on reserve.
1: And, and, and IR, yeah.
2: Yeah, he was b- actually better as a kick returner than as a punt returner. But yeah, and then he he's also the punt returner. So now you have to find out a new punt returner who's probably going to be Chandon Sullivan, who's probably just going to go back there and, and fair catch punts, which is totally fine at this point in the season. <laughs> right. um, so yeah, I mean, you have big question marks at several like key special teamers who like don't even play with the ball in their hands, and then both return spots and punter and holder. So, and we still have two days of testing to go. So not great.
1: Um, what was the, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think actually you were the one I talked to about how important holding was. And you were like, I've got no idea what you're talking about. But, um, uh, when Bohorquez was released from the bills, one of the issues yep. that despite him being a good punter was that he was not a very good holder. Uh, and, uh, I saw a podcast, I think with the cover one guys who were pretty great when covering Buffalo sports. You should check them out. Um, that they had an interview, I think it was Jay Feely, about how important holding is, stuff like angles. It's not just like getting the laces lined up. It's getting the timing right. It's getting the angle of the ball right. It's making sure that you understand kind of the alignment that the kicker is going for in every situation. There's like a ton of stuff that goes into holding. And so they don't have a holder. They they say they've got a, because it's open tryouts, they say they've got a backup plan at punter and will and refuse to divulge what that plan is, but the uh, options that are available to us on the roster don't give us a ton. Of... Well, how did, how did Mason Crosby do on those two punts you mentioned?
2: <laughs> I can't speak to the one 2006. Um, the, the, the and one again,
1: I thought you were going to dig deep. I don't, what is this?
2: <laughs> I don't,
1: <laughs> why, why we I don't even on? know
2: if the coaches film is available. I, I don't know if it still exists. Special teams from Colorado in 2006. There's like one guy who has that on his hard drive, but the, <laughs> the other one was fine. Um, the other option that they it, it was because J.K. Scott had a like a That's cramp. Right. He yeah. had a cramp. So they were just like, Mason, go do it. So it's not like something that he's they, they plan for him to do regularly. It was just right. J.K. Scott got cramped up and someone had to punt in a preseason game. So Mason went, went out there. Has
1: Aaron Rodgers ever pooch punted? Maybe they'll go for it on fourth down and actually they won't. He'll pooch punt.
2: Please do not use the MVP quarterback who has a fractured pinky toe. Wait, but, as but a punter. It's, it's
1: his right foot that would be. Well,
2: I, that's I guess... fine. Plant foot, like, I don't want anyone rushing <laughs> his legs. Please do not do that. Because he's not going to be He's not going to be eight plus yards back where he gets those punt protections, you know, by yeah. rule. Like, you can run into him if, if he's just doing it from the shotgun. So, please, for the love of God, LeFleur, do not let him <laughs> pooch punt. Do not let Arif put this negative energy into the universe.
1: <laughs> Aaron Rogers pooch punt. Let's go. No. Do you think he will do it on third down?
2: Please, please stop. <laughs> he's the MVP of the league. Go go for it. Don't punt. Don't oh, punt. And like third and 14, man. I
1: don't know. I've That's it's tough to control. Let Randall things.
2: Cobb punt. He seems like he's a great athlete. He seems like he could do anything. Let anyone other than Rodgers punt.
1: Actually, honestly, if I was going to pick somebody on the roster who might be able to punt, Randall Cobb is like maybe in my top five on that list.
2: Randall Randall is top tier of like, I bet he could do that. You just, yeah, he could do anything. Like, he, like I he bet could, like cor- corn. I bet he can do that. Yeah, no, for sure. He,
1: he, there's probably a couple of sports that he can play, much less a bunch of positions within football that follows. He he seems like he would play shortstop.
2: Is it because he's short or you just do word association there? And and the I guess I'm, he the, played quarterback I'm the last
1: too. person to make short. <laughs>
2: that's fair that's fair
1: <laughs> I know, it, it just seems like uh he'd be a pretty reasonable defensive player in baseball uh he produces enough offensive output but i i bet i bet i bet the yankees would draft him
2: hopefully not this year we, we need him to come up big for some third downs of the playoffs
1: well that's a concern with uh russell wilson right the yankees still hold his rights
2: Russell Wilson, I don't, again, you're not following the NFL, but Russell Wilson today was like, I hope this isn't my uh, last game in the NFL. Actually, I did see that.
1: Um, I also saw someone share a November 17th uh, video of Jay Glazer saying that the quarterbacks that are going to be available uh, include, of course, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, Uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, I mentioned like one other name as as a guy who's available, Um, but you know, the draft is not that great. I guess, I guess the draft is so bad that people are asking Hendon Hooker to declare after today. I can't remember who that
2: is. The Virginia Tech guy? Former Virginia Tech guy. He transferred somewhere. Oh, no. I remember him. He should get his education.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I watched him when I was watching. He's at Tennessee. He's oh, oh, at Tennessee. Uh, bowl MVP, maybe? of The Tennessee game? I don't know, man.
2: <laughs> he, he should get his education, is my thought. <laughs> Just so you haven't seen any of him this year, then? No, because they had that guy from like Auburn, right? They like Cam Newtony type of guy who was getting snaps for a while. Or the the guy from Michigan,
1: Auburn? (laughs) No, no, no,
2: no. It it was the Michigan guy who's built like Cam. So I ended up making him from Auburn, but it it is is the (laughs) Michigan guy. Um, So Hooker Hooker wasn't even like full time starter this year. That's buddy, buddy, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. All right. He still uh, has a couple of days to, uh, he has like two weeks to be able to say like, JK, I'm going back he to college. said He said he's returning, but a lot of people were
1: like, man, oh, okay. the qu- these quarterbacks are bad and I just saw a good game from a quarterback.
2: I did see some wide receiver who put up like 400 yards, put up like one of those, like I'm coming back graphics. And I was like, I don't know, guys, I feel like we uh, jumped the track here. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, the, uh, the Gophers wide receivers are all coming back and it's like, I don't know. For this? So is that
2: running back who got hurt, right?
1: Well, yeah, but that's fair. But all the Gophers running backs like get hurt and then they're too injured to play in the NFL anyway. So I might as well finish out their college career. Like, get that, your education. Yeah, that all makes sense to me. So the wide receivers that bother me. It's like, man, you should stop going back to the Gophers
2: are you, for this. <laughs> they the run had that had RPO year, offense, right? man. They run that <laughs> RPO offense.
1: Ah, it's so ugly.
2: No one, no one else can run slants like these guys, man. I, I, that's true. The, these are very good receivers
1: in a very aesthetically ugly offense.
2: All Fleck, right. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to Packers fans too, right now, so they have <laughs> many thoughts about how ugly this RPO offense is. That has seemingly like evolved into not only just this RPO offense, but also like a six wide or a six offensive line offense that involves the wildcat. So it's just like the two extremes of like, we're gross and not really trying to compete in this way. Like we're just spamming meta plays.
1: Yeah. Go played spoiler for a lot of teams this year. I don't know. Very weird team. I don't expect them to be good next year, but I guess they were good ish this year. Who cares? Uh Okay, so if the Packers lose, it's because of special teams.
2: Special teams or their depth at the line of scrimmage, I would say. Um, okay. th- those are the two big things. Um, the offense, I think, is pretty good. I mean, outside of like an act L- of God on the offensive line. the only person line,
1: you care about is Royce Newman being bad.
2: Yeah, I, that, that's pretty much it, um, frankly. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, if you can get away with a couple of drives – You know, when the Packers have the ball on offense and you can just wear down this defensive front and special teams does something wacky like they did against Chicago, yeah, you're in a good spot. Outside of that, I think Green Bay is in a good position to win. Okay, that
1: Chicago game was like a uniquely awful special teams performance.
2: They legit, like if you look at like the DVOA, they're like, yeah, the Packers won by like 12 and they should have won by 30 if not for the special teams. Like if they had average special teams. And you look at the game and you're like, that's accurate. Like they did that give follows. up three scores on special teams that they should have had. Yeah. So so that was such a uniquely bad performance that even without a punter
1: or a holder or a returner, I can't imagine we'll see a repeat of that.
2: I'm knocking on wood right now. Do you, do you have wood? That sounded like plastic. It's my wood desk. How dare you? Yeah. Well, you should check into the authenticity of that desk. Do you have a score prediction? Um... Let's do uh let's do uh, 3024 Cream Bay Packers. Yeah, right, I can't complain about that.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away.
2: T- tell me, tell me how you're feeling about this Vikings team. Outside of, you know, we touched. Thielen is on IR. Dalvin Cook is coming back. Is there anything else? Well, are we, we going to do now? the second half of the pod? This is the second half of the pod. Okay. <laughs> We're here. We have arrived.
1: Okay. Uh yeah, second half. Uh, um, I don't know, man. This Vikings team is like. So I just wrote this like five thousand word piece on Kirk Cousins and why how we got to where he is and why that means he's not going to be able to go to where he wants to go. Um, cause he's a nerd, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and the thing about him is that he over prepares. He's super diligent. He spends all his time memorizing as much as he can about offenses, defenses, tendencies, and stuff like that. And he probably would never have been able to become a starter at Michigan state and set a bunch of Michigan state passing records. If he wasn't such a dork about it. Right. Um, but that same tendency is the very reason that he can't be an elite quarterback because he, he does, he cannot play by feel. And in order to kind of win in situational football, you need to be able to play by feel. I mean, you, you watch Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, right? You know, that that's kind of what uncaps quarterback potential is the ability to kind of feel out what the geometry of the football field is telling you, right?
2: Yeah. And the, the big thing with Kirk is like, sometimes frankly, his brain is telling him the wrong thing. And then he just makes an incredibly dumb pass. Like you'll see him throw into double coverage on a slant flat. And you're like, what? You're like a high school kid would know not to do that. And it just, it looks weird because like 80% of the time it looks like he's operating at the line, like Tom Brady. And then 20% of the time it's just spinning out of control.
1: Yeah. So I looked at uh, his play in standard down. So first and second down, um, before the final 10 minutes of the game. So first 50 minutes, first and second down over the past seven years. Um, He's like the sixth best quarterback in that situation, like in terms of EPA, right? And obviously he's had a really good supporting cast over the years with the Vikings and with Washington. Um, But like in just in terms of statistical production, he's like the sixth best quarterback. Then you take a look at third and long, or you take a look at the final 10 minutes of the game when trailing or the final 10 minutes of the game when leading, and he is like 25th. Out of out of forty, right. It's not out of thirty-two, but like twenty-fifth, like below average. And I, I, that that to me tells me kind of basically everything about cousins because it's everything that you feel about cousins, right? It's everything that you think about him because you 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 at the end of the season you take a look at his year end statistics, you see that he's playing really well and that these statistics typically track with success. The top quarterbacks typically are leaders in adjusting the yards per attempt and EPA and stuff like that. Like Aaron Rodgers is usually top three, Tom Brady is usually top three, and then whatever quarterback we're enamored with is top three, whether that's Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray or Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes or whoever, right? And so he's in that conversation very often. And that's because of the 80% of the time that you mentioned. And it's this other 20% of the time that I think appears a little bit more often in divisional games. So it's kind of surprising how well the Vikings have done relatively speaking against the Packers. That always makes me worry going into games that there's not going to be a solution to a problem that the other team is going to present. So now that you don't have, and I think this is why uh, Kirk cousins is, is very reliant on a supporting cast because if your approach to quarterbacking is textbook, if you throw the read based off of what the play tells you, what the defense gives you and what route beats what coverage and don't pay attention to matchups, you need your guys to always be winning and not because you you're not the kind of quarterback that finds a backup corner go into the game and pick on him right like Aaron Rodgers is brutal about it right if when Chris Boyd comes in that dude is seeing 10 targets until he's run off the field right but for for Cousins he still takes a look to see if it's too high or single high. Then he takes a look to see the cornerback leverage. Then he takes a look at kind of all the other tells he needs to do, try and figure out if it's man or zone or kind of what covers that they're seeing, whether or not there's a shell that prevents deep passes. And then he throws that. And so you need Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson to play well, if you're not going to care about what matchup you're facing. Right. And so that's why he's his supporting cast guys, because he doesn't care about matchups because that's not how he's wired. Uh, and so without Adam Thielen in this game, You've got KJ Osborne, who I think is a really good receiver, right? Like, I think he's a wide receiver too somewhere. Um, I like, I just, I don't like, I don't, uh, when you don't have all the pieces functioning, I don't see what the offensive solution is for
2: Cousins. Never forget, this is the guy who kneeled instead of spiked at the goal line with clock expiring, uh, you know, at the end of the first half, right?
1: Right, well, because he's memorized the textbook. He's he's not a natural. Yeah, it's like,
2: it's a robot. It's like yeah. a, a, a script. It's code. Cousins yeah, is if, code.
1: And if the code isn't there, like if it's it's if it's the end of the game and you're in the two minute drill, and the defense gives you the middle of the field because of course they do because there's forty seconds left and you don't have timeouts, he just takes it because that's what's open, right? And it's the same thing as kneeling instead of spiking, right? It's the same thing as uh, as throwing away on fourth down. It's just this is kind of what the script of this this offense versus this defense tells me. And I have completely eliminated in understanding the situation. Like, he's bad on third and long, right? Because that requires that you get to a certain point on the field. Anything beyond below that is a failure, right? And there's some quarterbacks that are, like, really surprisingly good on third. and Like, Teddy Bridgewater, for example, is not a very good quarterback. But on third and long, he becomes, like, really good. Like, he is the opposite of Cousins in that, you know, he's a smart quarterback and all that. But like he's just not good for the eighty percent of a football game. But as soon as a situational kind of awareness requirement appears, he does like a weirdly good job, right? Um, And so he's kind of the opposite of Cousins. Neither are helping you win games, right? At this point, but yeah, it's like it's it's like nuts going from Teddy to Kirk to see, and obviously with Case Keenum in the middle, right? To see. What happens when somebody who only plays based off of kind of the situational awareness of knowing what you need to throw down versus a guy who only plays based off of kind of what's open to him and not taking these chances, which is why Cousins was entering that Rams game with only two picks, right? Because he doesn't throw dangerous passes, which is kind of the opposite of the discussion about Aaron Rodgers not throwing picks because he does take the risks. They just work out for him because he's good.
2: Yeah, and he has wide receivers who can win at the catch point, right? I mean, Devontae Adams is coming down with that ball at the very least that that ball isn't cleanly going into the defensive backs hands um defensively for the vikings where where are you guys at so i saw harrison smith didn't practice on wednesday he's practicing now what what does this defense look like right now
1: um yeah so the issue of course is i think the front more than anything else like i expect harrison smith to play i expect Xavier woods to play um you know, camera dancer uh, and and Patrick Peterson, like that's not the most stellar kind of coverage unit. But the the issue really is up front, right? Because without Hunter, without that Everson Griffin, um, you don't really have any bona fide pass rushers. Because the whole idea was to get pressure off the edge and stop the run up the middle with the two nose tackles they have with Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce, who are both actually playing really well. Like Michael Pierce played out of his mind against uh, the Rams. Dalvin Tomlinson had a really good game. They're both playing really well, but for them that means a different thing then if like uh, Linval Joseph is playing well, cause he's a, a, a pass rushing nose tackle. Right. Or right. if, uh or if like an actual three technique is playing, if Sheldon Richardson is playing really well, you're getting pressure. Um, but they're playing defensive tackle. Sheldon Richardson has been moved to defensive end cause we're so thin at defensive end that they moved Sheldon Richardson out. So now you've got a 300 pound defensive end playing on the edge, not playing four, right? Like it's not like a Michael Bennett's the wrong well, who am I thinking of, uh, in that Seattle group It was like Red April? Bryant or something. No, no, no. I was I was oh. thinking like the guy who played the two gap.
2: Yeah, 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 Red Bryant.
1: Yeah, Red Bryant. Like way back like 2013, right? It's not like that. They're playing him on the edge like an edge rusher because they're run out of those guys. Um they've got like DJ Wanham who's just not good. Like he's got like sack numbers and pressure numbers, but they're all kind of fake. Um like unblocked sacks or, you know, the defense, like the left tackle just kind of like fell over and like, well, I'm glad he got the sack in that situation, but I don't know how well that projects going forward. So there's not really much of a pass rush. Um, and, uh, and like, you know, their their backups are like Armand Watts and James Lynch are like really good backups, but like, again, they're not pass rushers. So that's the concern, right? Is that like, you know, Patrick Peterson is playing really well this year. Um, But he's just if he's not going to get help up front without any pressure, he's not going to be able to hold on against Devontae Adams or MVS or whoever. There's no answer for speed on uh, in the defensive back group anyway, Um, especially now that, you know, they've lost Bashad Breland, who is not a fast corner, but might have been their fastest corner, um, depending on how much food Cameron Dancer ate that week. (laughs)
2: That's fair. Do, Do you have a do you have a score prediction for this game?
1: Uh, yeah, Zimmer is weirdly good against Rogers. So, um, I still think the Packers win, but it's probably something like 27, 17. I think it's a lower score. Uh, I don't think it's that close. The special team stuff, you know, I don't know. Cause the Vikings are actually playing really well in special teams. And the Packers aren't, and that like changes things, but that's like so random. It's so difficult for me to like incorporate.
2: That's fair. All right. That that's pretty much the only questions that I had. I feel like our, our first, uh, run through with the Vikings and then, You know, obviously consuming the Vikings for what going on to 17 weeks now is is pretty good. Yeah, that's fair. All right. All right. We're done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See ya. Well, uh, thanks so much for coming on, Justice. Uh, I hope you don't screw anything up for us when we get out of recording this. Uh, If we do, of course, I'll blame you. Where can people find you?
2: Acme Packing Company. um, Read everything, consume everything that we have. Uh, we have a podcast network. We have a website, click every link that you see that we send out from back packing company. You can find me on Twitter at J U M O S Q. Um, Outside of that. That's, that's pretty much it.
1: Cool. Sweet. Thanks so much, man.